You are listening to the February 15th edition of the Reading Through the Bible Together podcast. My name is Blake Farley, and I am excited for today's reading. We are finishing our second Old Testament book and beginning our second New Testament book. We are making our way through the Bible together, my friends, and uh, we're going to be through with three books total, I believe, by the end of the day. If my mathematics is correct, if I'm already getting in trouble with math, you can probably ascertain that I'm not very good at math. Uh, but yes, three books will be finished by the end of today, and that means we have 63 books left on our journey through the Bible after today. So let's jump into it. Exodus chapter 39 and 40, the final two chapters of the book of Exodus, and we're beginning today in the New Living Translation. Exodus chapter 39, verse 1. The craftsmen made beautiful sacred garments of blue, purple, and scarlet cloth, clothing for Aaron to wear while ministering in the holy place, just as the Lord had commanded Moses. Baziel made the ephod of finely woven linen and embroidered it with gold and with blue, purple, and scarlet thread. He made gold thread by hammering out thin sheets of gold and cutting it into fine strands with great skill and care. He worked it into the fine linen with the blue, purple, and scarlet thread. The ephod consisted of two pieces, front and back, joined at the shoulders with two shoulder pieces. The decorative sash was made of the same material, finely woven linen, embroidered with gold and with blue, purple, and scarlet thread, just as the Lord had commanded Moses. They mounted the two onyx stones in settings of gold filigree. The stones were engraved with the names of the tribes of Israel, just as a seal is engraved. He fastened these stones on the shoulder pieces of the ephod as a reminder that the priest represents the people of Israel. All this was done just as the Lord had commanded Moses. Beziel made the chest piece with great skill and care. He made it to match the ephod, using finely woven linen embroidered with gold and with blue, purple, and scarlet thread. He made the chest piece of a single piece of cloth folded to form a pouch nine inches square. They mounted four rows of gemstones on it. The first row contained a red curlin, a pale green peridot, and an emerald. The second row contained a turquoise, a blue lapos lazul, and a white moonstone. The third row contained an orange jaconeth, an agate, and a purple amethyst. The fourth row contained a blue-green beryl, an onyx, and a green jasper. All these stones were set in gold filigree. Each stone represented one of the twelve sons of Israel, and the name of that tribe was engraved on it like a seal. To attach the chest piece to the ephod, they made braided cords of pure gold thread. They also made two settings of gold filigree and two gold rings and attached them to the top, top corners of the chest piece. They tied the two gold cords to the rings on the chest piece. They tied the other ends of the cords to the gold settings on the shoulder pieces of the ephod. Then they made two more gold rings and attached them to the inside edges of the chest piece next to the ephod. Then they made two more gold rings and attached them to the front of the ephod below the shoulder pieces, just above the knot where the decorative, decorative sash was fastened to the ephod. They attached the bottom rings of the chest piece to the rings on the ephod with blue cords. In this way, the chest piece was held securely to the ephod above the decorative sash. I don't know why I'm having such a hard time with that word. Decorative. All this was done just as the Lord had commanded Moses. 
Beziel made the robe that is worn with the ephod from a single piece of blue woven cloth with an opening for Aaron's head in the middle of it. Seems like a good place for an opening. The opening was, that's not in the Bible, I said that part. The opening was reinforced with a woven collar so it would not tear. They made pomegranates of blue, purple, and scarlet yarn and attached them to the hem of the robe. They also made bells of pure gold and placed them between pomegranates along the hem of the robe, with bells and pomegranates alternating all around the hem. This robe was to be worn whenever the priest ministered before the Lord, just as the Lord had commanded Moses. They made tunics for Aaron and his sons from fine linen cloth. The turban and the special head coverings were made of fine linen, and the undergarments were also made of finely woven linen. The sashes were made of finely woven linen and embroidered with blue, purple, and scarlet thread, just as the Lord had commanded Moses. Finally, they made the sacred medallion, the badge of holiness, of pure gold. They engraved it like a seal with these words, Holy to the Lord. They attached the medallion with a blue cord to Aaron's turban, just as the Lord had commanded Moses. And so, at last, the tabernacle was finished. The Israelites had done everything just as the Lord had commanded Moses, and they brought the entire tabernacle to Moses. The sacred tent, with all its furnishings, clasp, frames, crossbars, posts, and bases, the tent coverings of tanned ram skins and fine goatskin leather, the inner curtain to shield the ark, the ark of the covenant and its carrying poles, the ark's cover, place of atonement, the table and all its utensils, the bread of presence, the pure gold lampstand with its symmetrical lamp cups, all its accessories, and the olive oil for lighting, the gold altar, the anointing oil and fragrant incense, the curtain for the entrance of the sacred tent, the bronze altar, the bronze grating and its carrying poles and utensils, the wash basin and with its stand, the curtains for the walls of the courtyard, the posts and their bases, the curtain for the entrance to the courtyard the ropes and tent pegs, all the furnishings to be used in worship at the tabernacle, the beautifully stitched garments for the priest to wear while ministering in the holy place, the sacred garments for Aaron the priest, and the garments for his sons to wear as they ministered as priest. So the people of Israel followed all the Lord's instructions to Moses. Then Moses inspected all their work. When he found it had been done just as the Lord had commanded him, he blessed them. That concludes chapter 39, moving into chapter 40, verse 1, final chapter of Exodus. Then the Lord said to Moses, Set up the tabernacle on the first day of the new year. Place the Ark of the Covenant inside and install the inner curtain to enclose the Ark within the most holy place. Then bring in the table and arrange the utensils on it, and bring in the lampstand and set up the lamps. Place the gold incense altar in front of the Ark of the Covenant. Then hang the curtain at the entrance of the tabernacle. Place the altar of burnt offering in front of the tabernacle entrance. Set the wash basin between the tabernacle and the altar and fill it with water. Then set up the courtyard around the outside of the tent and hang the curtain for the courtyard entrance. Take the anointing oil and anoint the tabernacle and all its furnishings to consecrate them and make them holy. Anoint the altar of burnt offering and its utensils to consecrate them. Then the altar will become absolutely holy. Next, anoint the wash basin and its stand to consecrate them. Present Aaron and his sons at the entrance of the tabernacle and wash them with water. Dress Aaron with the sacred garments and anoint him, consecrating him to serve me as a priest. Then present his sons and dress them in their tunics. Anoint them as you did their father, so they may also serve as priests with their anointing. 
Aaron's descendants are set apart for the priesthood forever, from generation to generation. Moses proceeded to do everything just as the Lord had commanded him. So the tabernacle was set up on the first day of the first month of the second year. Moses erected the tabernacle by setting down its bases, inserting the frames, attaching the crossbars, and setting up the posts. Then he spread the coverings over the tabernacle framework and put on the protective layers, just as the Lord had commanded him. He took the stone tablets inscribed with the terms of the covenant and placed them inside the ark. Then he attached the carrying poles to the ark, and he set the ark's cover, the place of atonement, on top of it. Then he brought the ark of the covenant into the tabernacle and hung the inner curtain to shield it from view, just as the Lord had commanded him. Next, Moses placed the table in the tabernacle along the north side of the holy place, just outside the inner curtain. And he arranged the bread of presence on the table before the Lord, just as the Lord had commanded him. He set the lampstand in the tabernacle across from the table on the south side of the holy place. Then he lit the lamps in the Lord's presence, just as the Lord had commanded him. He also placed the gold incense altar in the tabernacle in the holy place in front of the inner curtain. On it, he burned the fragrant incense, just as the Lord had commanded him. He hung the curtain at the entrance of the tabernacle, and he placed the altar of burnt offering near the tabernacle entrance. On it, he offered a burnt offering and a grain offering, just as the Lord had commanded him. Next, Moses placed the wash basin between the tabernacle and the altar. He filled it with water so the priests could wash themselves. Moses and Aaron's sons used water from it to wash their hands and feet. Whenever they approached the altar and entered the tabernacle, they washed themselves just as the Lord had commanded Moses. Then he hung the curtains, forming the courtyard around the tabernacle and the altar, and he set up the curtain at the entrance of the courtyard. So at last, Moses finished the work. Then the cloud covered the temple, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Moses could no longer enter the tabernacle because the cloud had settled down over it, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Now, whenever the cloud lifted from the tabernacle, the people of Israel would set out on their journey following it. But if the cloud did not rise, they remained where they were until it lifted. The cloud of the Lord hovered over the tabernacle during the day, and at night fire glowed inside the cloud so the whole family of Israel could see it. This continued throughout all their journeys. That concludes our Old Testament reading in the book of Exodus. And beautiful, beautiful book. Remember, where did we start? We started with uh, the beginning of the book of Exodus. God was absent. He was not there. Um, the Israelite people were under the yoke, the slavery of the Pharaoh. And from the very beginning of the book, it was a, it was a battle. Two kingdoms set up. Kingdom of the world, Pharaoh's kingdom, and God's kingdom. God's kingdom is about what? Life. Pharaoh's kingdom is about death. The people of God call out to him, and God uses Moses to lead them out. And how does the book end? There is surrounded by God's presence. Moses finishes the work, and his glory fills the tabernacle, and it goes with them wherever they go. They are led by the good king. No longer are they under the slavery of Pharaoh, but now they get to follow God wherever he leads them. Yeah, and while this finishes the book of Exodus, it does not finish the story. If you remember, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy are all one story uh, meant to te be told together. So we get to continue this story, but it does conclude the book of Exodus. Tomorrow we will begin in Leviticus. And let me just point one more time to the gospel of Jesus. Moses uh, is a shadow, a type 
uh, of Jesus Christ who would come and ultimately fulfill what Moses did. Although this is a beautiful ending, uh, you'll notice a couple things. That Moses could not enter the tabernacle uh, when the cloud had settled on it. Why? Because sinful people could not be in the presence of God. And Moses, as great as he is, had sin in his life. And uh, we all do. So Moses couldn't complete the task. He couldn't give us complete presence to God. Uh, and yet Jesus Christ comes and he lives the righteous life you and I could not live. He dies the death we deserve to die. And as we read a couple days ago in Matthew, the curtain splits and we can now enter into the presence of God through faith and trust in in Jesus Christ. And I like how the line right before that, verse 33, it says, So at last Moses finished the work. What does Jesus cry out on the cross? One of the things is he cries out, It is finished. Jesus' work not only gives us God's presence around us, but it gives us God's presence in us. The Holy Spirit comes to dwell inside of me, a man. Why? Because Christ has purified me. And one day Jesus will return and rule and reign as a king. And we can't wait for that day. This concludes the book of Exodus. Moving into the New Testament, starting a new book of the Bible. Mark chapter 1, verse 1 through 28. Mark 1, verse 1. This is the good news about Jesus the Messiah the Son of God. It began just as the prophet Isaiah had written, Look, I am sending my messenger ahead of you, and he will prepare your way. His, he is a voice shouting in the wilderness, Prepare the way for the Lord's coming. Clear the road for him. This messenger was John the Baptist. He was in the wilderness and preached that people should be baptized to show that they had repented of their sins and turned to God to be forgiven. All of Judea, including all the people of Jerusalem, went out to see and hear John. And when they confessed their sins, he baptized them in the Jordan River. His clothes were woven from coarse camel hair, and he wore a leather belt around his waist. For food, he ate locusts and ate wild honey. John announced, Someone is coming soon who is greater than I am, so much greater that I am not even worthy to stoop down like a slave and untie the straps of his sandals. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. One day Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee, and John baptized him in the Jordan River. As Jesus came up out of the water, he saw the heavens splitting apart and the Holy Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice from heaven said, You are my dearly loved Son, and you bring me great joy. The Spirit then compelled Jesus to go into the wilderness, where he was tempted by Satan for forty days. He was out among the wild animals, and the angels took care of him. Later on, after John was arrested, Jesus went into Galilee, where he preached God's good news. The time promised by God has come at last, he announced. The kingdom of God is near. Repent of your sins and believe the good news. One day, as Jesus was walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew throwing a net into the water, for they fished for a living. Jesus called out to them, Come, follow me, and I will show you how to fish for people. And they left their nets, and at once and followed him. A little farther up the shore, Jesus saw Zebedee's sons, James and John, in a boat repairing their nets. He called them at once, and they also followed him, leaving their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men. I've always thought that was kind of a humorous picture, like they just leave their dad. Sorry, dad, we're out. <laughs> it says they left their father Zebedee in the boat. Yeah, but following Jesus always means we have to leave something. Right? We're leaving one way of life, and we're entering into another way of life. Uh, so often uh, I forget to, to mention that. Like following Jesus is great. It's, it's the best thing you could possibly do. But, but don't be mistaken. You are, you're repenting. You're turning from your life to 
following him wherever he says to go. Verse 21. Jesus and his companions went to the town of Capernaum. When the Sabbath day came, he went into the synagogue and began to teach. The people were amazed at his teaching, for he taught with real authority, quite unlike the teachers of religious law. Suddenly a man in the synagogue who was possessed by an evil spirit cried out, Why are you interfering with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus reprimanded him, Be quiet, come out of the man, he ordered. At that, the evil spirit screamed, threw the man into a convulsion, and then came out of him. Amazement gripped the audience, and they began to discuss what had happened. What sort of new teaching is this? they asked excitedly. It has such authority. Even evil spirits obey his orders. The news about Jesus spread quickly throughout the entire region of Galilee. And moving on to our Proverbs of the day, Proverbs chapter 9, verse 11 and 12. Proverbs 9, verse 11. Wisdom will multiply your days and adds years to your life. If you become wise, you will be the one to benefit. If you scorn wisdom, you will be the one to suffer. And finally, we will be reading the 35th Psalm and a posture of prayer. This is Psalm 35, and it's verses 1 through 16. It's a longer reading today, so I'll read the whole thing and pray at the end. Generally, I like to pray throughout uh, as kind of modeling uh, a great way of prayer for you. Uh, a verse-by-verse prayer through the Psalms uh, is a beautiful way to have a conversation with God. So I would, I would recommend and say that you, you should still do that if you feel so inclined to do so. But I'm going to read the whole thing, and uh, we'll pray at the end. A Psalm of David, Psalm 35, verse 1. O Lord, oppose those who oppose me. Fight those who fight against me. Put on your armor and take up your shield. Prepare for battle and come to my aid. Lift up your sphere and javelin against those who pursue me. Let me hear you say, I will give you victory. Bring shame and disgrace on those trying to kill me. Turn them back and humiliate them, those who want to harm me. Blow them away like chaff in the wind, a wind set by the angel of the Lord. Make their path dark and slippery, with the angel of the Lord pursuing them. I did them no wrong, but they laid a trap for me. I did them no wrong, but they dug a pit to catch me. So let sudden ruin come upon them. Let them be caught in the trap they set for me. Let them be destroyed in the pit they dug for me. Then I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be glad because he rescues me. With every bone in my body I will praise him. Lord, who can compare with you? Who else rescues the helpless from the strong? Who else protects the helpless and poor from those who rob them? Malicious witnesses testify against me. They accuse me of crimes I know nothing about. They repay me evil for good. I am sick with despair. Yet when they were ill, I grieved for them. I denied myself by fasting for them, but my prayers returned unanswered. I was sad as though they were my friends or family, as if I were grieving for my own mother. But they are glad now that I am in trouble. They gleefully join in together against me. I am attacked by people I don't even know. They slander me constantly. They mock me and call me names. They snarl at me. Lord, I just want to pray for those who maybe feel attacked right now, um, who feel like Uh, Everybody is conspiring against them. I pray that they would uh, trust in you. I pray that they would be able to truly feel the peace that comes from having you on their side. That they would believe that if it's you with them against the whole world, it's still better to have you uh, and and have no one else on their team. Better, better, Better to be in a scary place with you than a safe place without you. Lord, I love you and praise you. Amen. Well, thank you for joining me for today's reading. I hope to see you back here tomorrow as we continue our journey reading through the Bible together.